0: Hello and welcome to the Stress Sessions Mental Health Podcast with me, Luke. You're listening to Series 4, Episode 22 and the final one of the series. This one's taken me a little bit of time to get out because I've just been really, really lazy to be honest. But without further ado, I've been absolutely buzzing to share this one with you because it's brilliant and the person completely kind of turned my opinion around on them after chatting to them. It's the Stress Sessions with Perez Hilton. Welcome to the Stress Sessions, Perez Hilton. Thank you.
1: It's It sounds stressful, the Stress Sessions. <laughs> um, you might consider a rebrand, Just just putting that out there. It's never too late to rebrand. You might laugh, but it's never too late to rebrand, either professionally or personally. It's a good way of thinking about life. In fact, it's healthy to rebrand. Even big brands like Coca-Cola rebrands regularly. They may not change the name per se, but they'll change the packaging or they'll they'll introduce a new soda flavor or whatever it might be. So just something to think about. I literally I was like, wow, I'm doing the stress sessions, and that sounds stressful because <laughs> I don't think that's the point of your podcast.
0: No, I mean, you could take it one of two ways, couldn't you? You could say, Oh, it's I'm going to let out a lot of stress or this is going to be so stressful. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I mean, any way you look at it, I don't know. The title just triggers stress. (laughs) That's
0: that's not intended.
1: (laughs) It's all good. I just, I, I like to share. So I just had that idea and I'm like, you know what? Just
0: sharing. I like it. I like the thinking. It's good. You're welcome. The first question I'm going to ask you, which is one I ask every guest, is what is the one song that puts you in a really happy, positive mood? Well, because I'm
1: older, old, I embrace being old. I'm so grateful that I'm still alive. Not that I, you know, am 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 near death. Hopefully, but I definitely am middle aged now, and uh, it's a topic that I discuss with my therapist regularly. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in what they call the sandwich years where I have very young children and I get to experience the joys and stress of that. And I also am lucky to have my mother still alive and I get to experience the joys and stress of that because I'm so grateful that she's still with us, but also just watching her age and become a different person and health setbacks, that's all challenging, but that's life, right? Maybe when you're younger, you have this view that life should just be sunshine all the time, but that's not realistic. In fact, if you look at life in actuality, it is a lot of hours of sunshine and a lot of hours of darkness. And that's how the world works. And both happen simultaneously, the good and the bad. And you need to just accept both. I won't say you need to embrace both, but you need to accept both because if you don't accept and work through the darkness, it can bite you in the butt. So a song that adds light to me Because I am of the age that I am, and because I am gay, it's a Madonna song. And it's got a true chemical reaction over my body. Every time I hear it, it physically puts me in a much better mood instantly. And that's Madonna's Holiday. From the very beginning, the the back, oof, the best.
0: I love it. It's a great song. It is timeless. It's an absolute. Cla- it's a classic. Yeah. I was going to say it's an absolute classic. I Love it. It's a good choice. It's been such good choices on this series. I'm I'm loving all of them. It's such a diverse range as well. So amazing. You brought up your therapist, and I. So have I've done a lot of research, obviously, like because I do on every guest. But you've you've been so open with kind of like going to see your therapist and. Last year, I, I read that on on your blog actually that you kind of said to your therapist, "I, d- I don't need a therapist anymore." How d- how did you get to that point? Because I've I've seen a therapist and I've I've seen one for years on and off. What sort of point do you get to where you think I don't need a therapist anymore?
1: Well, I have a new way of thinking about it now. Um, once you change how you view therapy uh if you're not trying to get over any trauma or rewire your brain in any way um, or just you know in a really perilous place where you need that um, i now view therapy as and also so first of all i made a commitment to myself even though I got to a place where I felt I didn't need therapy anymore, I said no matter what, this year, 2021, I'm going to commit to 52 weeks approximately. There might have been a week off or two or that I took off for vacation throughout the year, but I committed to weekly therapy sessions. And I said I'm going to ride this out for the entire year. And somewhere along that point I got to a place of thinking, oh, I don't need therapy anymore. But then once I continued down the road of therapy, it continued to be extremely helpful for me to push me out of my comfort zone and do things that I wanted to do, but was too afraid to do on my own. And ultimately, the role that my therapist is playing for me now is twofold. One, I really, he's this older, much older, extremely wise gay man. So I, I view him as almost a, a grandfather figure uh, who, who I really respect and care about. Maybe even we use the word love, but I won't use the word love, but respect and care about. Uh, that's one function. And another one is he is the best cheerleader for me. And I'm also my own best cheerleader, but oftentimes it can be really exhausting to feel like you're your only cheerleader or your best cheerleader. So it's nice to know that you have somebody else Rooting for you in the corner. And it's also nice to know I'm paying this person. So I don't feel bad unloading my problems. I don't feel bad. I don't, I usually don't spend an an hour complaining because I talk about everything going on in my life and I, I have great perspective. I'm like, well, this really bad thing happened, but this other thing also happened and that's great. And I'm really looking forward to that. Or, this happened as well so i i view my life not just with a microscope but i zoom out as well and both i think are equally important in therapy so now i've got this great cheerleader and grandfather figure in my life and i've cut back to every other week so i'm not seeing him every week but you know it doesn't feel like a chore it doesn't feel like work Um, I'm glad that I'm able to, that I tell myself and give myself that time for me because I'm worth it. You know, it's okay to take that time to talk about yourself and your life and your hopes and your dreams and what's working, what's not working.
0: I like that because... It, it's kind of like it's on your terms isn't it so you're seeing your therapist on your terms and I love the cheerleader aspect because I think everybody needs that in their life at some point don't they but yeah I think it's it's a completely different perspective I think in the US compared to the UK because when you're as a UK guy going to see a therapist people might be like you're weird you're different why are yeah. you going to see a therapist? You're you're crazy. Ultimately, is that is that the sort of perspective that you get over in the US? And what, what sort of like? Oh no, not do well. You face? Well,
1: not at all. In the US, in mainstream Anglo culture, it's very common and accepted. However, I grew up in a Latino household with Cuban parents, so in those communities, it's not. Accepted or it wasn't. I I can't speak for the now, although I would imagine it's still not as common. Therapy still isn't a regular thing or a go-to for many Latino families, whereas it is for you know Native American, Native uh, Ang- Anglo Americans. Um, but also, you know, unfortunately, therapy still is not accessible to a lot of people. Um, You know, like a lot of folks can't afford it. You know, we don't have the same structure for healthcare in the United States that you do in the UK. I don't know if you have to pay for it or not, but we do. Most people have to pay for it here. And that's a bummer. I I wish it was easier. I'm sure there are ways for folks to get free therapy or affordable therapy but it's not easy to find that
0: i mean it's it's the totally same over here because if if you do get free para- therapy it takes months if not years so it's it sounds quite similar but there's there's so many people with mental illnesses at the moment particularly because of covid it's yeah it's difficult it's really difficult but thankfully
1: you know, there's a lot of people with mental illness there, and it doesn't seem like there's a ton of mass shootings in the UK.
0: <laughs> you <No>. know,
1: <laughs> there's mental illness there, there's mental illness here, but the mass shooting problem seems to be an exclusively American dilemma.
0: That's correct. <laughs> yeah. Which is unfortunate, but I guess that's a sort of different story. But you mentioned... Being brought up in a Latino household, what was that kind of like growing up? Was it were you able to speak about your feelings and kind of if you were having a down day, were you able to speak to your parents about that? Because I know that a lot of kids do kind of go to their parents or their friends or Nate or even neighbours or people at school. What was the kind of feel of your your kind of upbringing?
1: You know, now that I'm old. And a father of three, I have so much understanding and compassion for my parents. They weren't perfect, but they did their best. They really did their best given the circumstances, given how they were raised, given what they what they knew. And I know that I'm far from perfect as a parent as well but I'm doing my best. And frankly, the bar that I set for myself is exceptionally high. So that way, even on days where I feel like a complete failure as a parent, my bar is still higher than most. So my average is still above average. Um, But yeah, you know, I grew up and, you know, a, A lot of trauma, no sexual trauma, but just um, the loss of my father unexpectedly at a young age was very devastating. And uh, I never talked to my mom about it. She now, looking back on it, was really just trying to hold on for her own life. Like she was trying to stay alive she lost like 60 pounds. She lost all her hair. She became diabetic. Like she, she was trying to stay alive. My grandfather also died a week before my dad died, her father. So I lost my paternal grandfather and my dad within seven days. You know, if something like that were to happen now, I would absolutely put my children into therapy. I think that would be good for them. And for me, my mom didn't go to therapy either. But we didn't even talk about things. So in in a way, not even in a way, I definitely didn't even process all that happened cuz I on my own, I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the the knowledge, the 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 mental or emotional maturity to deal with it all. So I drowned myself in television. It became my savior and my escape, and in many ways laid the foundation for my obsession with pop culture and the person that was to later become Perez Hilton. I think any good parent wants better for their own children and their lives. So, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way, but My mother is my biggest role model as a parent, both positive and negative. All of the ways that I don't think I was raised as well as I could have been, I'm trying to course correct for my children. Like, you know, not, thank God I didn't have access to like a laptop or anything like that when I was young. I was already glued to my TV in an unhealthy way. I would get home at like 3 p.m. or something like that from school, watch television till after midnight, not get much sleep and go to school. And my mother did not care because I was getting A's. I was doing exceptionally well in school with little effort. But I I just wish that healthier habits were instilled in me like being physically active like getting sleep um like not procrastinating <laughs> uh so i really try and instill those things in my children because i think it'll set them up for success in the future and i did okay but um you know like even the relationship with food and with being healthy uh, i got to the place where i Am now eventually, but if I would have ended up there sooner, it would have been so much better for me in so many ways. Like talking about stress and mental health and all of that, I know from my own experience for me, but I think it's universal. There's a direct correlation between physical health and mental health. The healthier you are, with being physically active and eating healthier often and usually the healthier your mind is as well and getting your sleep and all of that it's all tied together it took me a while to realize that
0: (laughs) it's a learning curve in life though isn't it and i think that every person will go through that at some point and some some people will get to the end quicker than others And the reason
1: why I am so strict with my children while also giving them grace and not being crazy, you know, with my children, I like, like when it comes to food, I apply like the moderation diet. So I let them eat everything, but just in moderation, you know, like when we're at home, it's healthy, but on weekends or at a birthday party or whatever, they can have the cake, they can have the pizza, we'll go to McDonald's. But I don't do that all the time. So the moderation diet is basically, you know, like okay, you you're you eat healthy 80% of the time and then 20% of the time you you can not eat healthy and that's fine. You'll be a very healthy person if 80% of the time you're eating healthy. Um you know so, so I wish for them to to have that be their normal because my normal, like when I experience trauma now as an adult, like exceptionally trying times, like, you know, like my mother getting cancer a few years ago or her boyfriend that lived with us for a decade dying when really awful things happen or even COVID right. When the first lockdown happened, I, even though I'm, relatively smart-ish and aware, boom, I reverted back to being a child. And all of those exceptionally unhealthy habits came back into my life. Not just eating, but overeating. And then the lack of sleep. And then I was exceptionally depressed. And then I started drinking. And I don't even normally drink. In my normal, I'm not sober, but in my normal life, I'll drink once every three months, once every two and a half months. Like I only drink when I go out to a restaurant and I have a fancy mixed cocktail. Like I'm not a beer drinker, I'm not a wine drinker, but during the first lockdown, eating, overeating, not working out, not getting sleep, feeling like my life was out of control. Then I started to drink at home and every single day. So I went from drinking once every three months, every two and a half months, to drinking every single day. So, you know, yeah. Hopefully, I'm I'm doing the you know like I said I'm doing the best with my children, and uh, now I'm back to where I needed to be for my own health and happiness thank God the gyms are open again and I feel comfortable going. Right. So I'm back in the gym and that's made a huge difference in my life.
0: I mean, that was one of the things that I hated during lockdown was that you couldn't go and exercise properly yeah. because it's, it's, it's a big outlet, isn't it? It's it and it, like you said, physical and mental health are, are in parallel. So to not be able to yeah. do that is well. Horrible. And especially,
1: you know, I, and I think this is the best way to do it for everybody I work out in the morning. First thing I do it, it's done with, it's scheduled and it sets my day up for success because I already feel, wow, I've already accomplished something. I'm already winning today. And as I tell myself, not every day is going to be the best workout, you know, some days I'm going to have real crappy workouts if I, you know, go to a concert, which I did. Earlier this week, and then I'm not get. I don't have a full seven hours of sleep, or even six. I can function with, but if I'm like, if I'm like, go, if I'm rolling into the gym on five hours of sleep, I'm going to be struggling during that workout, and that's okay. But I'm still there. and putting in the work, and I still feel like a winner.
0: <laughs> it does make you feel so much better, though, because even if you don't do a lot, just the process of going there and and being in that environment. Just being out in public and doing a few bits it just it helps, doesn't and it? And then
1: everything that comes with that too. Like I yeah. take a shower after the gym. So, you know, if I don't work out, I might skip the shower. And then I oh, I didn't shower today. But because every, you know, I normally I'm crazy in the best way. I normally work out 7 days a week. So, I shower every day and It's part of my routine and taking a shower, you know, little things like making sure you've showered are important
0: for your mental health as well. You've spoken a few times about different kinds of traumatic experiences that you've had in your life. What would you say is the darkest place you've been in mentally? And how did you get yourself out of that?
1: I would say the darkest place I was at mentally was When I was in my mid-20s, I was about 26 years old. And I had what I would say was severe situational depression. You know, just that feeling of being stuck, that feeling of being a, a horse with tunnel vision. And all you see is darkness. Like I literally did not see light at the end of the tunnel. I kept on playing out the worst possible scenarios. You know, I I hated the job that I was at, but they were paying me so well. So I was afraid to quit and I felt stuck and I was working there. And I had also started my website at that time And on my off hours, I was doing my blog, but I thought, well, if I quit this job, I'm going to end up moving back to Miami, a failure, and I'm going to have to get an office job, and I'm going to be a failure, and I'm going to hate my life, and is that kind of life worth living, like, the rest of my life, and feeling like I hate it, and, like, I'm a failure, and I was having suicidal thoughts, and, you know, feeling like a zombie really like having to get in the shower in the fetal position for like 30 minutes before even feeling like I could I could roll into work and my mother doing the best she could you know I was living in New York City at the time and I would call her and be crying on the phone and I felt so alone because I was in New York and my family was in Miami and my mother, bless her heart. I remember this one saying. But like I said, you know, my mother's a big role model and inspiration for me, not just in parenting, but also in how I do not want to live my life. So she told me during that time, my son, that's why they call it work, they don't call it happy. And I just, I understand what she was saying, and I understood it at the time, but every fiber of my being resisted that concept. Like, I just could not. I really would have rather been dead than live for five more decades hating my job or jobs and just miserable. I would have rather been dead. So, what got me through that? was a few months prior to that, shortly after I started my blog, I was put on a TV show, which rocked my world and and confused me because I didn't think anybody was reading my little website. And wow, somebody's reading what I'm writing and paying attention and and they're putting me on TV. So that really was like... like God almost or like having faith. I'm like, if I could be on TV one time doing what I do, well, maybe I could be on TV a second time. Maybe there might be a second opportunity for me. If I just keep this up. So no matter how depressed I was, no matter how unwell, and i was so unwell i was legitimately scared for my well-being not just being suicidal but i thought i thought my brain was permanently fried i thought my brain short-circuited and it was going to be damaged forever because i remember going to the movies with a friend of mine during this time i would say that period lasted maybe 3 months of a severe situational depression. I was sitting in the theater with my friend and I could not focus on the movie. Like I, I could not just sit there and watch the film. My brain, like my body was there, but my brain was not. And that was very scary for me, but eventually God, the universe, life works in mysterious and wonderful ways. And I ended up getting fired from that job. And it was such a blessing. That job that I hated, that I sucked at, I was working as a reporter for a celebrity magazine. They fired me because I hated it and I sucked at it. And I also was going around talking to all of my coworkers, asking them, should I quit this and do my website full time? A note to to all of you youngsters or old people out there, do not tell your coworkers you're thinking of quitting because even if you think your work friends are your work friends, and maybe some of them are, some other ones might blab on you and tell on you or whatever it is. So unless you're prepared for that to happen, I would say just talk about it with, with your family or your friends outside of work. But because... I got fired from that job. I was able to collect unemployment, severance, you know, and that money for a while after being fired helped sustain me. And then I was able to do my website full time. So when I when I started doing it full time, that's when things really took off for me. And then once things started taking off for me, And I started forcing myself out of my house and doing things, even if I didn't feel well, next thing, you know, Oh, I'm feeling better. And then, then I felt better.
0: (laughs) But it was you that did that though. It was you that kind of put yourself in that situation and set yourself up to succeed. So it's kind of you, even though you weren't in the best place mentally and even feeling suicidal, you, you still kind of kept going and believing in yourself, which I think yeah. a lot of people give up on sometimes.
1: Never give up. I truly believe life and these 44 years have taught me that hard work pays off in every aspect, not even just professionally, but personally as well. I mean, look at, your health and, 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 and your body and your, and, and wellness, right? Like that requires work. It requires maintenance and effort. And the more you work at it, the more rewards you'll get. The same is true with relationships. The same is true with your job. You have to put in the work. You cannot shortcut or short change any of that.
0: Totally agree with that. And is there anything looking back? So a lot of the stuff that you've done in the past has been quite criticized and you've, you've sometimes even been seen as a bully. Is there anything you would change about what you've written or your career in terms of the way that you might've affected other people's mental health?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would change so much for so many reasons, both altruistic and selfish. I like to be honest. I would change my past because it's the right thing to do. Because I would rather not have caused people pain. And also because ultimately it it didn't just hurt other people. It hurt me too. It closed doors for me. It hurt my career. It hurt my ability to date gay men. Because I'm reviled in the gay community. I am despised and i know it'll probably hurt my children as well they'll be discriminated against because of who their father is so i would go back and do things differently for many reasons i like to lay it all out there i'm truly honest uh so yeah i carry with me a ton of regret and shame and um acceptance i fully deserve the responses that I get from people because they are a result of my words and actions. I was not forced to say or do the things that I did. I chose to do the things that I did. I was an adult when I did them in my late twenties. And I was aware at the time that what I was doing was wrong. I still did it. And I didn't care how reckless or hurtful I was. So if I wasn't me, I probably wouldn't forgive myself or I probably wouldn't care that I'm not that person anymore or that I've grown or evolved or matured because, well, he did so much damage back in the day. That's one thing. Fine, I get that. What I also get, but I think... Those other people are very hypocritical, are the people that are similar to the ones that I just described, but take it one step further, and these other people want bad things to happen to me. They want to see me suffering and in pain for the bad things that I did in the past. I accept both, but to those other people, I'm a very happy person. I've reconciled my past. And I don't exclusively carry with me deep shame and regret. I'm also proud of a lot of the things that I did in my past and grateful. And I celebrate Perez Hilton. I'm still doing Perez Hilton, albeit differently. But yeah, you know, like I've talked about this in therapy too. I truly believe there is nothing I could do in the minds of many to most that would right the wrongs of my past. Like even if I gave away all of the money that I made, if I gave away every single cent to charity, people might say, that's nice. That doesn't excuse his behavior from the past or that's nice, he's still a a whatever uh, or what an idiot, I can't believe he did that or whatever it might be, you know? Uh, so I'm not doing that. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'll continue to apologize, but I'm not going to be crying and, and and self-flagellating and putting on a show for people wanting me to do that.
0: But you can see the change. You can like even. Not from- many. I mean,
1: not not everybody can. And that's OK. I don't have to prove anything to anybody. I just have to authentically live my life and be the person that I am. You know, like even today, like there's so much I do be behind the scenes to help other people. And I don't need to say what, but like this literally puts such a smile in my face. Like I was able to help somebody today in a very meaningful way. And I do that all the time. Behind the scenes, whether it be a young influencer who needs advice or somebody that needs access to this person or that person or financial help or whatever it is, like I love helping people and surprising people and or something or like even this week as well, I surprised a friend of mine and his girlfriend, and I took him to go see Backstreet Boys in concert It was like. I'm taking you guys out next week. I'm not telling you what it is. Just meet me there at that time. And, you know, that's just the kind of person I am.
0: The real me. Well, I can see that now because you've agreed to come on a mental health podcast and speak to me. So that's that's a massive act of kindness from my perspective.
1: Well, thank you.
0: Because <laughs> before I came on and, sp- and spoke to you, I was nervous. I'll admit that. Because you're, you're a big personality. You're very, like you said, you're very intelligent, even though you kind of downplayed that a little bit at the start. But it's I can see how much you've changed from the person that you were sort of 10, 15 years ago. It's, and Do you think that's because you've now got children or do you think that that's something else switched?
1: For me, it really started when I became a healthier person and then also having children as well changed me in in many 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 ways immeasurably
0: cuz so i thought, i don't have kids myself but i could i can see how that would happen and a lot of my friends and family members have changed through children so it's clear to see. one question i really want to ask you is and it's it's not it's a nice question what is your happiest place in the world
1: my happiest place in the world is, you know, wherever I am with my kids, like literally wherever. But in addition to that, I also love, like, I mean, I love, like, I'm not a material person, so I don't care about a fancy car or I don't buy clothes, like I, I have enough clothes. Like I don't even know the last time I bought an article of clothing. Um, I hate wasting money on clothes. I only get clothes given to me by my mother these last, I don't know how many years she's the only one that gets me clothes or if somebody gives me clothes or whatever, but I love going to see shows. I love concerts. I love the theater. I love Experiences. I love traveling. I love creating memories and living my life to the fullest. And once again, going back to therapy, I was telling my therapist, I, my happy place is in the center of a hurricane. <laughs> I find peace and comfort with stimulation. Not everybody's like that. Some people... Would be very happy living in the countryside and having that be their normal. I like nature. I like the countryside to visit, but I don't want to live in the countryside. That would be boring for me. Like, I would love to live in London. I would love to live in New York City. I would love to live in places like that where. Every single night, not only not only what I love the most about London and New York City is not only is there so much to do there, but there's so much to do and it's so easy to do it all. You could walk to so much to do. And those two examples. Also, what I love about it is what I love about London, what I love about New York City is people are more spontaneous and it's also part of the culture to be social. I think because a lot of people live in apartments and not homes, houses, Um, you know, they like to spend more time outside outdoors. So after work, you might go to the pub and meet up with your friends or whatever. Same in New York city, whereas Los Angeles, which is a car culture and commuters, there's a less sense of community. And less spontaneity and it's harder to get around and Los Angeles, I mean, London is massive as well. So it does take a long time to get from one part of London to another. But I don't know, like, I, like when I lived in New York, the the, the periods of time that I've lived there, I had so many friends and I did so much. And here in Los Angeles, I'm like, I don't have any friends. And, you know, I mean, I have friends, but it feels like I don't, you know
0: yeah i totally agree with you because i always say i say to my wife i could never live in a village because i love being able to just go out and go and get whatever i want at any time or like anywhere whereas if you lived somewhere like in the middle of nowhere you'd have to travel for ages (laughs) i like just popping out (laughs) it's nice yeah
1: yeah thank you for having me on and uh, if you uh, uh, everybody watching or listening enjoyed me on here I've got my own podcast you can check it out the Perez Hilton podcast with Chris Booker you can watch it on my at Perez Hilton YouTube channel or listen at Perez podcast.com that's Perez podcast.com and of course I've got my website and I'm all over social media as well so follow me
0: Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome. Have a good one.
0: Thanks, Perez. Speak soon. See ya. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so, so much to Perez for coming on the stress sessions. And again, I say this at the end of every episode, but what an amazing chat. And it does really seem like he's turned his life around and his journey with his therapist and his relationship with his children and kind of reminiscing about his past and what he would change and his upbringing and stuff like that. It just, it's just lovely to talk about with him and it just sort of brought out the, The real Perez behind the mask really so yeah loved it love that chat I say this at the end of every single episode but if you are struggling with your mental health or think you might have a mental illness please speak to someone go and see a GP a doctor speak to a friend a family member your work if if you feel comfortable in doing that just speak to somebody and let them know and kind of try and get help from a professional there's a link in the podcast notes with a mental health nhs sort of information page and it's got lots of useful charities and links to how to get help so make sure you click on that and visit that link if you are um, suffering in silence one final shout out to thank someone this series it's not the final one my sponsors unlimited beer who have kind of been a big part of this series of the podcast they reached out to me at the start and said i will sponsor the, the podcast if, if you need a sponsor and they've just supported me throughout so big shout out to an unlimited beer and all of kind of the kind of shout outs they provided me click on the link again in my podcast notes to get 10 percent off any orders for unlimited beer they are a great beer company they're alcohol free they do an ipa and a lager and they taste amazing I've had both of them. I can't pick a favourite, but they're amazing. And finally, thank you. Thank you for listening. Thanks for putting up with my voice for the past 22 plus episodes. There's been a few little bonus ones thrown in there as well. But thanks for being a part of my journey. And thanks for listening. And I feel like through these conversations, I've helped myself to learn a little bit more about specific mental illnesses by hearing other people's stories I've kind of found out a lot of about a lot of stuff that I didn't know already um, linked to mental health and I hope you have too I hope these podcasts have helped you in some way because they they certainly help me just by having that conversation and again listening back to them and editing them has helped me too because it helps me kind of put a focus on where I'm going and what direction I'm taking and, and the boundaries that I've put in place over the past couple of months because I said at the start of this episode that I've been lazy I haven't been lazy I just haven't been in a great place over the past couple of months I have been struggling myself and I feel like sometimes you do put that label on yourself don't you You do think oh I've been la- i have being lazy sometimes you just need to give yourself that time to rebuild, rebuild yourself and get back to being you and I think that's a really important part of living with mental illness or kind of trying to make your mental health slightly better is to give yourself that time spend time on you work on those coping mechanisms and find out what they are mine are ones that i've spoken about throughout, throughout the whole of these podcast series on the stress sessions but make sure you find yours put that time into find your coping mechanisms whether that's running meditating going down the gym anything like anything like cold showers like cold showers are a big part of my life at the minute but find your coping mechanisms and it will make life a whole lot easier and that's it that's it from me i again have rambled on a little bit but i just felt like i needed to say how i've been feeling recently because it hasn't been the best couple of months um yeah and this isn't goodbye this is see you next time so Look out for series five of the stress sessions when it comes out. I don't know when that's going to be yet. Could be next year. It might be the year after. But let's see how things go, how busy things get. And hopefully you'll be hearing from me again soon. So thank you and goodbye.